Welcome back to Breaking Up with Michaela Simuntry. That's me, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk about breaking up, relationship advice, dating stories, and personal stories about some of the worst breakups, most embarrassing, or cringiest breakups of all time. So thank you for joining us today, and let's get started. Hi guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I thought it would be really fun this week to talk more about like YouTube and the business side of YouTube, um, stuff that YouTubers don't necessarily talk about that you may be curious as a viewer, and then to tie this into my relationship podcast, which this is, I thought it would also be really fun to talk about how YouTube has impacted or factored some of my relationships that I've been in and whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing and the pros and cons of kind of like how YouTube um, may have had a positive or negative impact on relationships or cause, you know, just stuff like that. But thank you so much for listening. If you are new, Breaking Up is a dating-centered podcast where I talk about my dating stories, relationship experience or advice that I may have, things that I've gone through. If I have guests on, we talk about their experiences. We cover a big range of topics. So highly recommend, like, why am I stuttering? Oh my gosh. Highly recommend checking out all of the previous episodes as well because we are pretty deep into the podcast at this point. I'd say it is, what, like eight, nine months in? So it's been quite a journey, but I am so glad to have you here and I really look forward to this time to talk to you. I feel like this is my most unfiltered, like exciting platform that I get to use just because I don't edit this footage. I'm talking to you directly and we just, we talk about some serious stuff. There's no surface, like, corny, fake things going on here. Like, this is real. Not saying that my other social media stuff isn't real as well, but what I mean is, like, there's no Instagram filter on this or, like, background music and editing and text, like, with YouTube videos. This is, this is it. This is what you're getting. So, I am excited that you are here and I'm really excited to talk more about this. Um, YouTube topic specifically because it's something I've always been really passionate about talking about, but I don't think I've really opened up about it on my platforms yet. So this will be really exciting for me as well just to be able to vent to someone about because not many people are interested in this either like in my real life. So it's not a topic that I get to uh, like geek out about a lot, but I'm excited to. Um, other than that, I always like to try to do a quick week summary of my life. I will say, for some reason, I have been so out of breath this week. So if you catch me taking more breaks to breathe, I apologize. I don't know what's going on, if it's just the change in weather here because Minnesota has been getting pretty cold lately for fall or... I'm not sure. I started like running again on a treadmill at the gym. Also, do I say treadmill? Treadmill. I forget which one I naturally say. And then my my like sort of boyfriend, ex-boyfriend used to give me a lot of crap for it saying that I said it weird, but I can't remember if treadmill or treadmill. 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 Either way, I started running on that again this week, like, intensely, so maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe these are COVID symptoms, knock on wood, I don't know, or maybe I'm, like, do you ever realize that you couldn't be, like, 
scientifically you're not pregnant, but you have the slightest, slightest symptom that isn't a symptom and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Shortness of breath. Here I am. (laughs) So I'm not really sure why, but just wanted to give you a heads up because I can already tell that my habit of speaking really quickly is going to catch up with me this podcast episode and I'll probably take very big breaths in between thoughts as we chat. Um, I also noticed that on Monday of this last week because I guess I can be more open about it. I left it as kind of like a secret in last week's podcast episode, but she put me in her vlog and that vlog had been posted and then I vlogged with her too. So it's kind of out in the open at this point. But last Monday, I was interviewed by YouTuber Shelby Church. If you are familiar with her or her sister Monica Church, they are two twin sisters that have been doing YouTube like my entire life as a viewer. I assume maybe like seven or eight years of content. I'm not sure, but I freaking love them. And about a week ago, Shelby Church mentioned in a vlog that she was working on an OnlyFans video project and she was asking her viewers like if they knew anyone that wanted to be in her documentary to like let her know and she also had questions about OnlyFans monetization so I left a comment on her video just saying that all of my OnlyFans videos have been monetized so don't worry about that and that I would also so like definitely be down for an interview if she was still looking for extra people and maybe like 15 minutes later like it happened really quickly she followed me on Instagram sent me a message and we set up an interview. I was so nervous. There's such a difference between filming a video for your own channel, editing the footage, knowing exactly what's going up on your YouTube channel and posting it. Whereas I was doing almost like a live interview with somebody having no idea what the finished product will look like or what she's going to leave in that I'm going to say, having no time to prep what I'm going to say. So It was pretty nerve-wracking and I'm definitely such an overthinker because as soon as it was over to this point in time, I'm still thinking, oh, I wish I said this or I wish I didn't say that or clarified this more. So I talked to one of my YouTube friends about it and she says that she thinks that I'm just overthinking about it and that it's probably really fine and it's going to be great. I also plan on doing a reacting to video when her documentary comes out. So If I still think about the things that I wish I said in the original interview, I'll just mention it in my own video when I do that reacting video to kind of like bring it out, if that makes sense. So, that was a deep breath. Guys, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why do I have such shortness of breath? I'm literally just sitting in bed. I have the coziest um, robe on. It's like the softest robe ever. I got it from Target today. It's so cozy. I'm going to take a picture actually. I'll take a picture of me in it right now and I'll post it to the podcast Instagram so you can see because it's such a vibe. I love it. It's really cold like I mentioned already in Minnesota so it's really fun to just bundle up right now and kind of embrace the chilliness but what I was getting at though is during the interview with Shelby I also mentioned that I was really out of breath and I felt kind of self-conscious about it because maybe I was speaking really quickly. I was definitely nervous too, but I hope that she edits it it out or makes me look not like a fool. I'm sure I didn't, but you know how your thoughts can kind of turn into self-doubt after a while. Um, 
But yeah, be on the lookout for that OnlyFans documentary that she's making. I'm not sure when it will be out, but I know it's a big project and she, I don't know, she wants to get it out sooner rather than later, obviously, but it's going to be like a pretty lengthy video and she's interviewing a ton of people. So I think she's still kind of curating the content for it and editing it as she goes. Um, But you'll definitely probably see it on my social media as well because I'll promote it since I'm in it. I'm so excited to watch it. Uh, But yeah, our interview went really well. We ended up just talking over Zoom for a bit too. And then she asked if I wanted to be in her vlog, which was so exciting being like a viewer of her vlog for so long and then being in one. I think I've been in one before because I have met Shelby and her sister multiple times at VidCon and Playlist in the years prior. I don't think she remembers and I definitely didn't bring it up because all of those encounters were more of me being like a fan asking to take a picture with her and all of that except for the last time I met her because we had dinner I was with my friend Nicole Jacqueline who was friends with a lot of those girls and so we went to this creator party and we did get dinner with a group of some creators beforehand and Shelby was in that group but we didn't really talk one-on-one and there was definitely girl drama going on on that trip so If you want more tea on that, actually, this is a great opportunity to promote the video that I just posted today on my YouTube channel. I did a truth or drink with my friend Bennett, and we touch a little bit on YouTube drama and like what happened there. So if you want a little bit of tea, highly recommend watching that video later today when it goes out. It should be up 2 p.m. Central Time if you are an early bird listening to this podcast episode. Um, But yeah, I had an interview with Shelby Church on Monday, and... It was really, really great. I'm so excited to see her video. Really nervous, but I'm sure it will be good. Um, Yeah, check out her vlog channel if you want to see a very, like, awkward clip of me over Zoom that she um, included in her vlog. She kind of, like, cut out my response in her vlog clip, so I I just look like a mime waving on Zoom, but it's fine. Um... Other than that, I've kind of just been laying low this week. I'm filming a week in my life, which I never do. I'm trying to really challenge myself creatively and work on condensing a ton of content into a shorter video. So this will be a fun creative project for me. But I also, I'm like really skeptical to say this, but I um, may have been exposed to COVID. I don't know for sure. I got an email about it and the email seemed really like low key and they said it would be a really low risk of exposure, but there's definitely an opportunity in the situation that I was in to be exposed. I just wish I knew for sure if I was. This would have happened about a week ago already, so I've just tried to stay um, kind of just low key. Like I canceled all of my appointments this week. I was supposed to go to the doctors for a skin check and get a ton of moles removed just with my recent scare, you know, being on top of it and getting rid of any other concerning moles that I may not even realize are concerning yet. But I had to cancel that just to be safe because I would hate to like go into a doctor's office knowing that I had been exposed. It's just, yeah, it would just be completely unacceptable. But so I've really just been staying home for the most part and trying not to... uh, put anybody at risk. I could get tested, but I don't know. Are tests like, because you know when COVID started, how there was such a shortage of tests. I don't want to take that test away from someone if someone needs it. 
And I don't know if it's still a matter of like being short on tests, but I'm just laying low, hanging in my apartment. I'm not seeing my family for two weeks total since the potential exposure, and it's surprisingly been pretty easy. I didn't realize how much of a hermit I was in the past, but clearly it is not difficult because I work from home and I'm just chilling with my cats and totally fine, but um, yeah, other than that, like I really haven't been doing too much this week because of that. And yeah, I guess that's all I have so far for my weekly update. Just hustling hard over here. Oh, that reminds me, hustling hard. I've been trying to come up with something to engrave on my AirPod case. I am finally biting the bullet here and probably purchasing some AirPods um, just because when I'm working out, it is so, I mean, this is such a first world problem, but the wires in my headphones are always in the way when I'm running. And then if I have the headphone wires like touching a gym machine, I get this really weird static like noise inside the headphones every time it hits the machine. So I don't know what that's about, but AirPods would just be so much easier. And my friend Bennett just got some and she totally convinced me. I had no idea that like when you take out the AirPod out of your ear, the music pauses. I had no idea if you tap it, it changes the song. Like it really is the little things. So I've been messing around with some AirPods in my cart online at the Apple store, and I really want to get something engraved. I asked you guys on my Instagram story yesterday for some ideas, and so, so many of them are so good. I don't know how to pick. Unfortunately, there is a big or a small character limit, a big character limit, but small characters. Does anyone know what I'm trying to say? Oh my gosh. Um, there's a big limit. <laughs> to the amount of characters that you can use. Uh, But some of your guys' suggestions for what I should engrave included like run for your life, hustle for the muscle, badass with a good ass. Like they're so funny. They're so cute. I have no idea how I'm going to choose. I also am still debating whether or not I should just get my name on my AirPods case. So we'll see. Anyway, let's get on to the YouTube portion of this podcast episode because I'm really excited to talk YouTube talk with you guys on this episode. Um, I really should have prepared and asked you on my Instagram or something for some specific questions, because I'm just going to kind of go off of what I would think you'd want to know, but it would have been nice to get some actual specific questions for this, so that's on me. I apologize. However, let's do like a quick, I guess, like YouTube summary, and then I'll talk more about how I started getting more into like the business side of it after a few years. I've been doing YouTube for a little over five years at this point. I started back in 2015 during my freshman year of college, and from day one, it has always been um, like a therapeutic exercise. It's been such a release of just creativity and passion and totally something that I am in love with doing and creating, and it will always stem from that, and I think that is what makes the biggest difference with anything that you are trying to pursue. Like, if you don't have that passion and love for it underneath it all, like, you will not succeed, and that is what makes some of these creators stand apart because it's so easy to tell when somebody is being genuine online and when somebody is just trying to do it for the clout or when they're just trying to mimic all the other successful creators or just try to grow and, like, be somebody that they're not. 
2015 was a very different time and the YouTube era was still kind of like social media influencers to that, at that point barely existed. They were just starting to evolve in the way that we see them as they are today, but you know, like Instagram feeds weren't really a thing and YouTubers were just starting to be able to monetize their content. So before probably like 2010, 2013, not many people knew that you could actually make a living off of YouTube. It was such a new dream that we were able to pursue and do and I like that some of these OG creators never did it for the money because you couldn't even make money when they started. They did it because they loved it and their hobby became their career and that is what is so surreal and crazy to me and I really want something similar in the sense where I'm doing something that I love and because I love it and I'm passionate about it, it funds my life. So I'd say it took me... Well, it took me about six months to gain a thousand subscribers. And I think it was about that time. No, it wasn't. It was the summer after that. So, sorry, I'm trying to get a timeline together to get, but I'm trying to think of my first sponsorship or brand deal. And it was 2016. So it was a year and a half after I started YouTube. I must have had just a couple thousand subscribers. But I found this website, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was very similar to like Octoly or Intellifluence or Grapevine or stuff like that where, or sites like that, uh, where creators could go and kind of like apply for brand deals. So I was on one of those platforms and a brand actually approved me to include a nail polish remover in a video. It wasn't paid, but it was a free product placement. So I guess I should clarify if maybe that's like over explaining it at this point. I mean, you can have a sponsored video where a brand pays you money and you have to state this is sponsored. It might include product placement. It might include like an app or something, but it's usually within the first two to three minutes of your video. They want you to spend about five minutes talking about their company, their brand, their item, whatever it is, and then they pay you X amount for that. That would be a sponsored video. Then there's brand placement, where you just place a brand within your video or your content, and it can be very seamless, or it can be very obvious, like, they sent me this, thank you. I kind of mix it up. Sometimes I make it very subtle and, like, included in my routine, so it's very natural, and other times I'm like, yo, look what they sent me. Um, Typically, those are free. Once you hit a certain established point... They might pay you a small fee as well, but it wouldn't be a sponsored video. Um, There's a fine line between that, I guess. And then a lot of the times you can be on a PR list where companies will just send you products and you're not inclined, like you're not forced to post about them or show them in a video, but the brand just hopes that you like it enough to show it on your social media. I like this one the most. I think sponsorships are wonderful and they definitely help pay the bills, but they're the most stressful because the company usually wants to see the video before you post it. They need to prove it. They're very specific about what you say or show or don't show or where you film. It can get very nitpicky, whereas with PR companies or products that they just send you, it's like so laid back, so organic and natural because If you like it, you show it. If you don't, you never know what I got sent, you know? Um, But about a year and a half after starting YouTube, 
I got approved for a brand placement with this nail polish remover and it was the most exciting thing in the world because I felt validated as a creator in a way and I was just so excited to show the world that I can do this, to show other brands that I can promote a product. And that's something else that you should consider like as a creator too because even if you're not that excited about a brand placement or not sure about something, I typically include them or leave it up on my channel or always think about how it looks like a good example to show other companies if that makes sense. So with this nail polish remover, I wasn't getting paid, but it shows potential brands how I speak about products, you know, how I respond to it and their willingness to work with me. So that was really exciting. And then I'd say like from there, I would get free products here and there. And, you know, I'd get sunglasses, skincare, just random items, but it was just always so exciting to me. And it didn't matter like what it was. It was the fact that I was being recognized as someone that is capable of this that made it that that much more exciting um, because I was being seen for my content and not in like a a self-centered, egotistical way, but it was very validating to realize that I am doing something and I am doing it right and I am getting noticed by these brands that see my potential and want to work with me. My very first paid video sponsorship was, I believe, January 2017, just after the new year. It was the small startup app um, that reached out to me and I did a a dedicated video for them. Dedicated video meaning it was just about the product or the app, nothing else. It was about five or six minutes because of that, but they paid me $50 for it. And at the time, that was so much money as a creator. I mean, heck, it still is exciting, but that was my first paid um, sponsorship and I was thrilled. They set it up too, where if my video received like zero to a thousand views, I got zero dollars for payment, a thousand to five thousand, I think it was fifty, and then five thousand to ten thousand, it was X, Y, and Z or whatever. And then because it was in cross promotion with their app, if I got X amount of likes on the app for different things, then I made twenty five, fifty, one hundred dollars added on to that. So I think I made around $75 in total off of that deal and that was so exciting. It was so cool. I have this YouTube video, not YouTube video, what am I saying? I have a YouTube journal where I document all of these kind of monumental moments in my YouTube journey and I remember writing this one down because it was such a big milestone. I had only just started YouTube for like two years and I was getting a paid sponsorship. So that was a big moment for me as like a tiny little creator. Um, from there though, I from here and there would just get sponsorships. Um, I ended up cutting out a portion of this podcast earlier just to be fully transparent with you because I spilled all the tea on this one um, website clothing brand deal and then I couldn't remember if I signed a contract to give away the numbers of that sponsorship. So just to be safe, I cut it out. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people kind of ask the question of like, how do you get sponsorships? 
where, like, do they find you? Do you reach out to them? And the answer kind of varies. You can definitely reach out to companies, advocate for yourself, send over a business card or a media kit. Highly recommend having a media kit. It just makes your company or your brand look so much more professional. You have all your stats there. So then the company that you're working with doesn't really have to ask any questions because you provide the engagement, the countries, the age stats, like everything that your viewers, um, like they would need to know about your viewers, as well as like any past collaborations or screenshots of sponsored videos and like how well they do in terms of views and engagement. So that's something that I am currently working on to perfect and just help when I am contacting brands. But personally, I have never been the one to reach out to brands. I know that a lot of people do and it can be successful. I never chased that part of content creation. You know, when it showed up in my email inbox, I would respond and I would take the opportunity as it came to me, but I never really went out to um, try to get more brand deals or sponsorships than what I have been given. I think it's a really big misconception too that you need to be some huge, successful, like big channel to have sponsorships or make money off of it. All you really need is an engaging audience and a compensation rate to be able to do ads or brand deals, you know. You can be a micro-influencer, meaning that you have a small, in the grand scheme, you have a small audience and yet still do hashtag ads or sponsorships. Like my first paid sponsorship was maybe when I had a couple thousand subscribers. I wish I remembered exactly how many so I could give you some sort of number to go off of. The only difference is you're not making as much per ad as someone with a larger audience is making, but you can still monetize it. You can still be successful. And I think this is something that not many people realize you can do or if they see you have an ad post on Instagram yet you only have maybe like a thousand followers and ask if it's fake. Like, no, your rate is probably just a lot lower. Like what brands really care about, and this is something that took me a while to understand is sure numbers mean a lot. Like they care about the numbers in terms of how much they should pay you. But what they really care about is your engagement because that's going to be their success rate. Is your audience engaged? Do they like your content? Are they going to follow through, click the link, buy whatever product you're promoting? Which is why a ton of companies typically ask to see your analytics or to get screenshots of the percentage of female audience members that you have or your percentage of like age range of audience members, where your audience lives and all of that so they can get a grasp of who their viewers are and what their success rate could be by doing this brand deal. But yeah, I just think it's a big, almost like misconception or even thing that I thought, you know, I had to have a certain number of subscribers beforehand before I could start making money. Like, no, I was making money from almost day one off of YouTube. The only difference is I'm making a very different <laughs> paycheck right now than I was back then because of how my numbers kind of place me. And as, like like I said, as big as audiences, what am I saying? Wow. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is as important as subscriber count is and the number of views, that's more important on the creator's end because it gives you an idea as to how much you can charge. But I think a lot of companies focus less on that and more on your actual engagement and watch time, retention rate, click-through rate, and all of that, which can be a lot to digest. But I wouldn't 
be so focused on trying to reach a certain number of subscribers before thinking that you can make more money because it really is if you're just going off of YouTube money, it really is all about, all about the views. It's all about the views. And then if you're working with brands, it's about the engagement. So you can have a small like YouTube channel, but if you can advocate for yourself and send out that media kit and show your audience engagement, that is what really matters. I mean, both you and the company want the same thing at the end of the day, a successful brand deal. So if you can kind of prove to them that you can deliver that, you just need people that listen to you, that like your content, that follow through, that's what matters. With YouTube, my email address is in the description box of every video. It is on my YouTube channel in like a contact tab. And then with Instagram, it is on my profile as well. So it's very common for brands just to reach out to your email right away. I can typically tell if it is a good match or something that seems sketch, seems like spam, may not be professional or isn't a good match for me and my content. So the most common thing that I think a lot of smaller creators or even big creators will say is like the annoyance of having someone from like another country reach out to you and say, hello, dear, or hi, dear, hi, sweetie, and then leave a, a, a like email with a ton of typos or just incorrect grammar in English where you just feel like they put it into Google Translate and it's like a an Amazon shop or something. But um, yeah, for the most part, brands will just email me and it becomes a back and forth kind of communication thing until you work out a compensation rate deal or plan as to the content and all of that. I'm trying to think back to some of the experiences that I've had. Obviously, I think I definitely turned down a lot more deals than I actually end up including in my content. Um, a lot of them I just don't even respond to. Like I said, if it's just poor English or bad grammar or just doesn't seem legit, I never click on any links. That is such an easy way for someone to hack you or try to steal your information. And I'm already a target because of my platform and it's happened before where I've put myself at risk because of that. So I have such a habit of Googling what, like whatever product or company they are emailing me about um, separately and seeing what comes up if it's legit and then responding. Um, but it's always exciting. It's always fun when I do enjoy a product, like planning how to put it into a video and planning out that content so that I can include it without it being like a commercial. And I know that at the end of the day, it probably will feel like a commercial. I try really hard to embed any brand placement as naturally as I can because even if you know that it is an ad or a sponsored video, at the end of the day, it's helping me pay my bills. It's a paycheck. Um, so I love, as a viewer, like I love the creators that we support for the brand deals and we hype up because it's like get that bread and I hope we can just keep spreading positivity like that when creators are doing sponsorships because even if it is annoying because we all know that it's an ad like that's their job and we are the reason that they're getting paid for it we're 
it like because of our support we made that happen so it's exciting and it's something that needs to be supported and just seen more in a positive light i can totally understand though if something is like what's the right word if like the whole video seems off or fake because it's just for the brand deal i can definitely see someone's frustration with that and that is something that i try really hard to avoid or just not do i've definitely done dedicated videos before for products that had paid me but I still tried super hard to include a lot of personal parts of my life into it and be myself and be authentic and include a lot more than just the ad. And that's what makes the biggest difference, I think. Um, But as for taxes, I thought this might be another common question because I get it asked a lot in my YouTube comments, you know, how do you pay taxes? Is everything taxed? How does that work? YouTube is technically like a self-employment job, so every time I get paid, um, the tax isn't taken out of it yet. I have to pay that tax when I file. I get paid monthly. That's another common question is I get paid through Google. Google. I get paid through Google because Google owns YouTube. It's a monthly payout. So, for example, in October, I will get paid for how my videos did in September. Um, You get paid at the end of the month. So, even though it's like the end of October when my money goes through, well, technically, I can see my total like the second week of the month and then it deposits into my bank account the third or the fourth week of the month, but it's for the previous month. Um, So, like, for example, I had a really good... I had a really good um, YouTube money month in June, but I didn't get paid for that till the end of July, as an example. But um, it's all direct deposit, it's monthly, and it's not taxed. So I receive a 1099 at the end of every single year to file with, and it shows the total that I made, and I end up paying the difference. What's nice about YouTube is there are so many opportunities to write things off for your business. When your life is your brand and your brand is your life, how do you separate that? You can't. So a lot of the things that I do, if they're in a video, I can write it off. I learned that I could write off part of my rent as my office space because I work from home. This is something that I think a lot of people this year when we file are going to realize is such a blessing because... So many of us are working from home now. I can write off part of my Wi-Fi bill because I need that to upload videos, to create content, to email brands, any equipment that I buy, camera, computer, SD cards, stuff like that. So there are so many opportunities to help out so that I'm not paying like thousands, a hundred thousands of dollars of taxes. Like David Dobrik one year, I think it was like his first big year. He mentioned he paid like over a million dollars in taxes, which is a lot, but also could you imagine how much he actually made that year to end up paying that amount in taxes? That's the crazy thought. Um, Basically, what I've learned is like anything that you include in a video, this is like super, super broad, but you can most likely write that off in your taxes because it's in your video and you're monetizing that video and making money off of it for having the stuff in the video so then you can write it off that's super vague and there are so many details about this but like 
my room makeover video. Did you hear that pop? I feel like I should address it. That was my wrist. Oh my god, I just popped it. Ugh. Um, you might not even have heard it, and I'm just outing myself. But yeah, for my room makeover video back in June, I believe, that was kind of a risk because I spent a good chunk of money redoing my room. And I knew no matter what, like, I would spend the money on the stuff in my bedroom because I wanted, like, the furniture and everything. So it was my personal life that I was capturing and filming, editing, recording, uploading onto YouTube and monetizing and profiting off of. So because of that video, I am able to write off a lot of the furniture and things that I bought for that room makeover video. And at the time, it was definitely going to help me so much. I had no idea what the outcome of that video would be. I had a fairly small channel or smaller channel than I do now when I uploaded that video. I think I was maybe at 30, 40, no, maybe not even 30K, but it was a smaller channel. And right now that video is my most viewed video. So before I had that, like my, it was just smaller in all ways. And luckily by the grace of God, my bedroom makeover video has done so well. It's my most viewed video to this day. It's almost to a million views, which is on my YouTube bucket list to have a video with a million views on it. Um, but because of that, the difference, like the, the profit, I should say, off of that video is already like eight times the amount that I spent on this bedroom alone for the makeover. So it's a great example of spending money to make money. You know, you have to put something in to get a lot out, um, which is the point of writing stuff off for taxes, I think. At the end of the day, you know, I spent, just to, just to break it down, and this isn't accurate numbers, I just feel weird sharing the, the real ones for this example, but let's say I spent $10 for that video and then I made like 50,000. I could write off the $10 because I used it in products to make more money and that goes towards taxes. I'm not a finance person. <laughs> I'm not really an accountant despite what the TikTok trends say and I do have someone that helps me with my taxes but I think that's just a great example of showing how a lot of the times I may spend money for a video, but hope that in return I make money or make a profit from that video itself. So a little sneak peek is I am doing another sort of bedroom makeover flip fall edition video thing that is coming up next week. It should be out. I'm editing it right now, but it should go out on October 8th. And that's definitely a video where I spent some money I put some in, I invested in hopes that I make more than what I spent making the video, if that makes sense. I want to keep talking about like YouTube money and brand deals and anything like that, but I just realized how long I've been talking already and I didn't even mention like the relationship aspect of YouTube yet. So let me know if you have any questions about the business side of YouTube. I may have to turn to my Instagram stories and ask you guys to ask some questions if you have any on this topic because as much as I rambled, I feel like I only talked about two things. So definitely let me know if there's something you are curious about that I did not mention. However, I do want to kind of touch on how YouTube has played a part in my previous relationships because I've been with guys that either 
loved it, hated it, felt neutral to it, and it has affected some key components of relationships. If you are an OG and remember my breakup video from 2018, I definitely talked about how YouTube was kind of a factor in why our relationship ended. I was so busy at that time in my life between my senior year of college, working full-time in the evenings, and still uploading two videos for YouTube a week on Thursdays and Sundays. So it was so much and I could not handle a relationship even though we had been together for two years. Like I couldn't balance it. I wasn't um, prioritizing him or us at all. And I was putting work first, school first, like family first. It was a tough call, but I was definitely thriving single after that and being able to really focus on my content. So I remember like towards the end, YouTube kind of became a barrier because there were so many times where he might have wanted to hang out, but I was like, oh, I have to edit or I like need to get this into a brand for approval or I'm filming like all of that or even the opposite. We are together and I'm vlogging and usually he's he was all about the vlog camera and he was super involved, but it can change the the energy of a situation the atmosphere um people's emotions and there were times where like maybe I shouldn't have vlogged us doing something and it should have just been between the two of us but instead I was so focused on content or like capturing the moment rather than enjoying it that the camera became like a a barrier in that um one time we got into a fight and I was like crying and he pulls out my vlog camera and starts vlogging it for me. But like being a dick, obviously, about it because we were fighting. Um, so it's moments like that where I think it plays a part. And sometimes we definitely kind of put on a show for our couple videos where we were together and being all lovey-dovey, whereas we might not have really felt that way. But as soon as the camera was out, he clearly knew kind of what to do or knew to kiss me on the forehead or say cute things. So it, it changed the dynamics a little bit. It's definitely a lot dating somebody that does YouTube because if you're a private person, I mean, I think I'm pretty private too in some aspects of my life, but I put a lot out online and he suddenly instantly became part of that. It opens you up to a lot of criticism And unfortunately, like when I was dating my ex years ago, he and I would both see hate comments about him or he would see them before I had the chance to delete them about his personality, his body type, his figure, like people's just opinions about us together or how they felt about him. And that for someone that is not prepared to see that or isn't used to receiving hate online, like it can be a lot to handle. Um, So with my most recent ex um from like this last year I made the decision to be a lot more private about it not film as much there were definitely a few times when we were on vacation or hanging out where yeah the camera would be out but I wouldn't make us talk to it necessarily or I wouldn't force him to do so and he was so like insecure about how he looked too so he never wanted to have photos taken or be on camera and that actually did irritate me because not like I was trying to force it but I want cute selfies with my man you know 
and that was frustrating too but if it was never something I I forced and that's something I kind of like learned through my previous relationship and like what I did do versus what not to do too but it is a balancing act and something that you kind of just have to learn as you go because everyone is so different I was dating this one guy or I guess we weren't really dating but we were seeing each other and you can kind of tell like who like what someone's intentions are off the bat because he was totally in it and like wanted to start his own channel and had like a like whatever he was doing and wanted me to help him with it um you definitely learn to like be careful about who you trust and people's intentions and who's just trying to use you for numbers or social climb it's made me have my guard up like a ton with um newer people in my life but for the most part i'd say that like youtube like definitely plays a part in the relationship because it is such a big part of my life and i spend so much time doing it i will prioritize it sometimes it's hard for me to realize that I need to put relationships before work and that's just the workaholic in me, but I'm trying really hard now and I think I've got a good routine down where I have a good work schedule, I have boundaries, I try not to work too much on the weekends and spend that time with friends and family, whereas weekdays I am all in. It took me, what, like five years to figure that out, but here I am. Um, so we'll see. I guess that's all I really have to say, but definitely let me know if you have any questions and if you enjoyed talking a little bit about YouTube because it's my main platform, but I realized I don't really chat about the behind the scenes work of it that much and that's something that I love listening to as a viewer or listener of podcasts, so I kind of wanted to just say my own piece on that, but thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to follow the Instagram page, breaking up underscore podcast. I'm going to post that robe selfie I took so you can totally get the vibe of my recording studio. (laughs) And then um, leave a five-star review, follow the podcast, do all of the things, and I'll see you guys next Thursday. Bye!